Hey, you're listening to the C3 Network Podcast with Dan Holland. Our mission is to create a network of micro churches that are finding, teaching, and equipping people to be on mission. Our hope is that this encourages you. Be sure to leave us a review so you can help us share our message with more people who need to hear it. And now, Dan Holland. Hello, friends. Welcome back. If you happened to miss last week, I want to recommend that you jump back there and check out last week so you can get yourself caught up and learn about everything that God is doing. Wow. I don't know where you are in our country, but at the time of this taping, all I can say is there's so much distraction. Wouldn't you agree? So much distraction. And here's the funny thing. I've lived a long time. And every time there's a lot of distraction, it always feels like, oh, this is the worst ever. It's so distracting. But here's what I've learned. I've come to learn that we have to fight for focus. Focus. I always think of focus as an acronym. Follow one course until successful. Well, let's jump in today. I want to start with a prayer that Paul prayed for the church, for the Ephesian church. And I want to pray this for you and for us, because today I want to talk about impossible prayers, or rather praying for things which seem impossible. Ephesians 3, verse 14, this is what he says. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. It blows my mind that God can do not just more than I can ask or imagine, but immeasurably more than I can ask or imagine. It also blows me away to think that God's love is so magnificent, so all-encompassing, so, so wonderful, that it is something that surpasses knowledge. So we try to get our mind around the love of God, and we try to say, Father, teach me to love the way you love, and, and, and oh, we should. Now, let me remind you of the diagram that we, we talked about last week. You'll remember that we had three circles. The first circle was the Great Commission, the Great Commission. That is where Jesus tells us to go make more and better disciples. The second circle was for the Great Commandment. That's all about the love of God, and that is about how we should love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbors ourselves. And then the third circle is what I call the Great Connection. Because the reality is, apart from God, the Bible says 
we can do nothing, accomplish nothing. And we're gonna jump into that even more in this lesson during this time. But I remind you that where the, all of these circles intersect is known as the radical center. At the radical center of mission, at the radical center where mission and love and the connection, that relationship with Jesus Christ all come together, that is where we find the ecclesia. Ecclesia, it's not a word we use at all. Ecclesia, though, if you were in the first century, would have been a common word. It just meant a group of people who are called out and called together, the ecclesia. And what is the purpose of the ecclesia? All ecclesia, all micro churches have worship, they have community, and they have mission. Mission. Mission is what sets it apart. It's mission. It's a mindset asking God, who to whom are you leading me or to where are you leading me? I can think of two off the top of my head. Jessica, who is a young woman. She's a, she's a mother of, of small children. She has a calling on her life to, to athletes at Stetson University. She, she has community with them. She teaches them the, the gospel and she leads them to Jesus Christ. Isn't that wonderful? But that's a calling, a specific calling to a specific group of people. I was talking with one of my friends as we were leading up to the conversations about microchurches because, see, I know how to do church the way I've always done it. And God has blessed my life and he has used me in, in incredibly uh, wonderful ways. And, and as we were talking, my, my friend and I, he said, you know, really, he said, I think there's two kinds of people, and I've shared this with some of you, there's two kinds of people who are gonna to wanna to be a part of this. He said the first group is, has a deep resolve, and I call them the resolved. He said the other group, though, is just intrigued. I found that interesting. By intrigued, he meant, you know, it's just people who say, this is interesting, so I'm intrigued by this. Let, let, me, let, me, look, let me look into this, and there's nothing wrong with that but the resolved. Now, the resolved are people who recognize that we are more comfortable in another setting or, or with in another structure, but that God has called us, sent us on mission, and, and the resolved say to themselves, almost Isaiah's prayer, here am I, Lord, send me. And as we have talked, it is, it's what Paul said in Galatians 2.20, and, and the resolved are people who say, I have been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet it's not I, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself up for me. It is this deep resolve. One of the best illustrations of the difference between resolved and just someone who is intrigued came in a conversation I had over the text with a young man in Montana who had a house church or has a house church. And he, um, he was texting back and forth with me and he said, finally he said, listen, wow, I am uh, uh, loving this concept of micro church. Now he was used to the church setting as 
many of us are used to. And he said, I am so intrigued. It looks fantastic. It looks great. Keep me in the loop. But he said, also one question. Now listen to this. One of the biggest challenges we face with previously churched people is seeing home church as small group, i.e. supplemental. Quote, real church happens in a building, end quote. And then he asked me this, any teaching or tips or advice that you have on overcoming that? If so, please send it my way. Now, this is probably a good place for me to ask you. And please don't answer out loud unless you talk to yourself and then by all means uh, talk out loud. But where would you put yourself? Somewhat intrigued? Oh, look, wonder what God is doing. I think that's healthy. Or do you have a deep resolve that I am going to follow the Lord where he leads? You know, we've been called out not to follow a man, to, but to follow Jesus Christ. Not for today, but for the rest of our life. And what happens as we begin to live our life forward is our faith is tested. What we believe is tested. You know and that, that your thoughts lead to actions and actions to habits, your habits to character and character destiny. But behind all of that, it's belief. Belief gets tested. We live the way we do. We think the way we do because of our beliefs. And that's why over the next four weeks, we're going to visit God's Old Testament people who were slaves in Egypt for uh, 400 years. And we're going to walk with them as they learn what it means to trust God. Only what you're going to find is that they're going to go through moments just like us. Now, I call these pivotal moments. If you've lived long enough, then, you, then you've probably experienced one or all of these. And I don't have time today, but uh, the next time we're together, we're going to jump into James chapter 1, and you're going to see some incredible truth. But we're going to follow God's Old Testament people as they learn to engage their faith, but honestly, as they struggle. Because we're going to find out right at the beginning, they face discouraging moments. Now, each of these next four weeks, I call pivotal moments because there are moments in our life, there are moments in time, and it's not just by moment, I don't just mean a minute or an hour, but sometimes it lasts for days or weeks where discouragement sets in and where we say, along with God's Old Testament people, my life is so hard. And we're going to follow them to the edge of the Red Sea where they face a terrifying moment where they have no choice but to just call out to God. Terrifying moments, thinking, this is it, it's over. I have nowhere to go, I'm done. Terrifying moments. Then we're gonna talk about bitter moments. Three weeks from now, bitter moments. It's where, it's where you're following God and you're faithful and you're expecting one thing and you say yes, but no. What you actually end up getting is bitter. And then we're going to talk about, finally, I quit moments. Look, here's the reality. We live our life trusting God, but life happens. And each one of us has to answer the question, are you willing to cross over to follow 
Jesus Christ? Are you willing to move forward? Now, whether you see yourself as deeply resolved or slightly intrigued, there's one huge obstacle. And we started this conversation today with this. It's the issue of distractions, just a loss of focus. Instead of asking God, where do you want me to serve? Who do you want me to reach? Where is there a specific place? We lose focus. We get caught up and we get, we become distracted. But I'll tell you what happens, life happens. <laughs> and as life happens, it, it gets our attention. You move through your 40s into your 50s and you begin to focus a little more, Lord willing, and into your 60s or, or your 70s. One of the things that we talked about at our three-day retreat, and I'm talking about Terry and Cherie and Don and Pam and, and Beth and myself, and what came out of our three-day retreat was someone mentioned, I think it was Cherie that mentioned this. She said, you know, one thing that, one illustration that you used, Dan, a couple of years ago that had a, it really resonated with me was when you talked about what if your life was, your entire life was lived in the context of one 24-hour day. And, and I had asked the question at that time, what time of day is it for you? So it's very interesting. If, what would it be like if your entire life was lived in, in just the context of one day? Well, a day is 24 hours, and you have to sleep for eight hours. That leaves 16 hours. That's, that's nice because the math works out. I'm told that the average lifespan is 80 Years. Now, for some, obviously, it is less. And for some, God blesses us with more. But what would that look like? What would it feel like? And how would your perspective of life change the further you get into your day? And how might your outlook about the lives of others change? You begin to look at other people differently as well. Now, if you're 35 years old, it's hard to imagine yourself as an 80-year-old. I get it. You're thinking, I'm never going to be 50. I know. I know you're never going to be 50. You're never going to be 60. But you talk to somebody who's 70 and 80, 80 years old, and they talk about 30, 40, 50 years ago like it was yesterday. When we look into the future, it has a way of getting, uh, as appearing far away. But when we think about the past, it is so close. Someone, you talk to someone in their 70s or 80s, they, they can talk to you about when their child was born or when they served uh, the country. And they, they'll use the phrase, it just seems like it was yesterday. Memories have a way of bringing yesterday up so close. Now, assuming that you live an average life of 80 years, what's that going to look like? Well, your life would begin at 7 a.m., and if you lived a full 80 years, life would end at 11 p.m. Mathematically, it works out to every 12 minutes of the day would equal one year of life. You'd get to celebrate a birthday every 12 minutes. That's amazing. That's a lot of cake. Would that not be amazing? Plus, that's a lot of gifts, right? Every minute would represent one month of your life, and every two hours represents a decade of your life. This is how it works out. You can see on the chart. It's amazing. Now, what time is it for you? For me, it is 6.20 in the evening. That means if I were to live the average lifespan, I have four hours and 40 minutes left in my day before I turn 80. That means I am 
in the evening. It's after dinner, kitchen's cleaned up, dishes have been put away. Maybe I have less time, maybe I have more. I, I don't know, but here's what I do know. I intend on living all in using my gifts to serve God for his glory and expanding his kingdom. That's why someone asked me, why, why are you doing this? And I said, because I believe this is how I bring glory to God. But I think that's a question for each one of us. See, the question is not how is God using Dan or how is God using my husband or my wife or how is God using my friends? The question is, how, how does God want to use me? And that's the prayer we started with at the beginning. The prayer when we said, what about you? To whom is God sending you? Where does God want you to carry the gospel? And it comes down to asking, what time is it for you? How are you using your time? I have a letter from a friend of mine who after hearing this teaching on this subject, she, she wrote me this wonderful email. I have permission to share this with you. Dan, I want you to know that praying the impossible kept me going for quite a while. But I know that I have to accept that my idea of a perfect answer to my prayers is not what God had in mind for me, at least not right now. Now I have been through cancer, death of both of my parents suddenly, job losses, issues with my children, and the most devastating of all, the betrayal and loss of my husband. So I have tried to focus on praying the impossible. Only now it is for God's will. And I want to understand what that means. I think the most difficult thing of all has been having to let go of trying to figure out what God is doing and what he's trying to tell me. And it's tough for me to quit analyzing. My brain is too analytical. I want answers and I want solutions, but that is part of too much self-absorption, she writes. It's been quite a journey and I know there's still so much ahead. I want to look ahead in joy instead of dread. That's my goal. And I'm praying for God to reveal his plan for me. One of these days, I hope that God will also reveal to me how to use all this pain and how to use all this growth to help others. Isn't that a beautiful prayer? At this moment, I will tell you that the condition of your relationship with Jesus Christ is the most important relationship that you have. Again, back to John chapter 15, Jesus said, what was it? Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish. Do you hear that? Impossible prayers. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you because it's to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. Now I'm wondering, what is it that you need right now? What's, what's your biggest need? I think our next steps are twofold. I think one of our next steps is to ask God the impossible in our own lives. 
Maybe I need to overcome an addiction. Maybe I need to give my life to Jesus Christ. Maybe I need to be baptized. Maybe I need to change my attitude about someone or about things. Maybe that's my next step. And maybe my next step today is to ask God, Father, would you show me to whom you're sending me? Would you show me where you're sending me? I like the way Jesus said it, and he said it so simple. He said, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Now, what you may not know is that each one of those words, ask, seek, and knock, in the Greek, in the original language, are, are, were written in what was called the present tense. And what it means is, ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. You know, sometimes we have not because we ask not. I believe that when we ask God, to whom are you sending me? we will find that answer. But keep your eyes and your ears open because that's a part of seeking. In the conversations that you have, that's the knocking. You know, you can stand outside someone's door, but until you knock, they don't know you're there. Now, let's be honest. Sometimes, sometimes we could be a little timid. Sometimes we don't even know to ask God, show me where you want me to go. To whom are you sending me or to what place are you sending me? But when we pray, he hears us. He wants to hear us and he answers our prayer. Remember what Jesus said in John chapter 15. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And it's not all about us. It's not, not even about us. It's about the next verse. It's about him. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. It makes God so happy when his kids do well, the same as, the same as it makes us happy when our children live well. So I've started the conversation. You keep it going right where you are. Let's take a moment just to ask God to bless the things we've talked about and to empower us as we move forward. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for all that you are doing all over this earth. Thank you, Father, for how you are at work in each one of your people. I pray, Father, for every single one of us that you will fill us with your Holy Spirit that you will not only do mighty work within us, but that you will use us and work out of us. I pray, Father, that you will be glorified through it all. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray and together we all say, amen, amen. Thanks for tuning in. If you like this podcast, we post a new episode each week. So be sure to subscribe and leave us a review so you can help share our message. We'll see you next time.